The following recording may contain explicit language. I can't get more explicit than may. Let's just say it may. It's Thursday, October 31st, 2019 from Slate. It's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Today, the House of Representatives advanced and approved the rules that it will use to conduct impeachment hearings into the actions of President Donald J. Trump. From the floor of Congress, Speaker Nancy Pelosi spoke of solemnity and purpose. This is a solemn occasion. Nobody, I doubt anybody in this place or anybody that you know comes to Congress to take the oath of office, comes to Congress to impeach the President of the United States, unless his actions are jeopardizing our honoring our oath of office. Well, Rashida Tlaib did say uh, on her first day on the job, let's impeach the motherfucker. But while that phrase is not unimpeachable, so too, and much more consequentially, so too is the president. But not everyone agrees with this. Stephanie Grisham, the White House press secretary who no one has ever heard talk, said, and by said we mean she wrote it in a statement or perhaps expressed it through interpretive dance, that the House had approved a process that was, quote, unfair, unconstitutional, and fundamentally un-American. You know what? What your boss refers to the emoluments clause in the Constitution as the phony emoluments clause, I shan't be deferring to administration expertise on what is or isn't constitutional. Also, see Exhibit 2, the entirety of your conduct before and during the presidency. You know what? And I have said this over and over again, but I haven't said it in a while. But it, it bears repeating because it's been proving out so often. Competent people doing their jobs will save our country. I said it before, but I did not know how right I was. Competent people, from members of the diplomatic corps to Lieutenant Colonel Vinland to members of the intelligence community, everyone who had standing who was exposed to Donald Trump's dirty dealing with the Ukrainians, knew that what they saw and heard was wrong and knew that they had to say or do something about it. Competent people doing their jobs. They will be our saviors. But you know, they did have a little help. It was from the president. His incompetent, emotional, half-baked, half-assed, half-cocked rage. His distractibility. So I've come up with a, a little bit of a prayer, an invocation that you could say at the beginning of each day. May your leaders be good, and if they are good, have them do good. But if they are bad, and if they must do bad, have them do bad, badly. So thank you, President Trump. You are a bad president who does bad, badly. On the show today, the striped hyena. You might know it better as the hyena. Hyena. But first, over 25 years ago, a presidential campaign had a moment where a simple, relatable question was asked. When I hear your new ideas, I'm reminded of that ad. Where's the beef? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, if, if you'd... Let's keep going. To no. <laughs> Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. He's going to tell you where, where the beef is or, or the roll or something. If you'd, uh... Well, Gary Hart and Walter Mondale would never have guessed the impossible. I, I say that advisedly. It's not the question anymore, where's the beef? The question is, do we want the beef? And how good is the non-beef? The plant-based substitute 
that faux burger companies are marketing? Are they better for you than beef? Or, as guest Maria Konnikova will adjudicate, is that bullshit? This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. You've heard me talk about The Jordan Harbinger Show because it's one of my favorites. He does in-depth interviews with some of the world's most fascinating minds. I can name a few. Barbara Boxer, Anderson Cooper, Michael McFall, the Ukraine or Russia ambassador talking about Ukraine. One I recently listened to was Stanley McChrystal, the general, the former general. And he told uh, an interesting story about revering Robert E. Lee. But then, after having a portrait of him for 40 years, he's a 63-year-old man throwing it in the trash. Because his wife says, you know, what that picture and that man means to you, it doesn't mean to other people, and you have to understand that. And then in the interview, they got around to the point where McChrystal talked about that interview in Rolling Stone magazine that pretty much ended his career, where I uh, got to the desk of Barack Obama, and it had McChrystal saying unflattering things about the war effort, and just how he talked to his wife and how they decided not to be bitter and not to wallow in. He could have taken some shots at the process, the reporter or the president at that point, but he didn't. It was just an overall good interview. It was facilitated by Jordan's excellent interview style. Whether Jordan is conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you will find something useful that can apply to your own life in every single episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way or discovering a little mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R, like the first three letters in hard, B-I-N-G-E, as in how you'll want to catch up on all the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Beef, it's what's for dinner, but soon it might be non-beef. The other white meat, not meat at all. It is a burger, but it is beyond burgers. Beyond burger, impossible burger, fake meat. Fake, they probably don't want us to call it fake, but that's what it is. It's a meat substitute that I've tried it. It's pretty good. If you told me I could save my health and save the planet by only eating this instead of the sweet, sweet, soulful cows... I, it's a collective action thing. If you did it, I would do it. I, I might be on board. So I've had an impossible burger. I thought it was pretty good, but I got a lot of questions. Got a lot of questions about how impossible is it? How much will people like it? What kind of effect might it have on our beef and meat eating bodies and industry? And so joining me now, because we are talking about cattle and bull, we're playing a segment called Is That Bullshit? It is the segment that Maria Konnikova comes on the gist, and we talk about a scientific claim. Maria is the author of The Biggest Bluff, a scientific journalist, a trained psychologist. I sometimes forget which is the one where you can prescribe medicine. Could you ever prescribe medicine? No. Why not? I can't because I don't have an MD. Come on, Maria. I want some I medicine. Can't, I can't even diagnose anyone. I'm not a clinical psychologist. Sitting across I'm from me all these years. I'm an experimental psychologist. <laughs> you can diagnose me as a couple things. All right. All right. I'll make an exception for you, You know Mike. the Myers-Briggs. So, Maria's here. We're going to talk about beef and impossible burgers. Have you tried one? No. Oh, really? Why not? Do you not eat meat? I do eat meat. Or, well, if you don't eat meat, maybe, I don't know how that would affect the answer to that question. Not but I don't really, first of all, I don't eat out actually all that much. I cook a lot. They, they, don't and they make them for home Sure, but I, yeah. but I also don't really eat burgers that often. Yeah. Well. If I have a burger a few times a year and I'm not a vegetarian. Yes. So I've never had any 
Any need for either Beyond Meat or an Impossible Burger. All right. So this raises yeah. a host of questions, but where do you want to start? You want to start with the introduction and the discovery of these meats? Um, sure, but let's uh, let's just first caveat for our listeners that yes. what we're going to be talking about today is just health. So no environmental impact, none of that, just the health of these meat substitutes. First of all, are they healthy, I think, just in and of themselves, and are they healthier than meat? Yeah. So for people who want to reduce environmental footprint, this is totally different. So this is for people who want to say, if I really want to eat burgers, is this a healthier alternative? And if I don't particularly care about burgers, but just want to be healthy, is Mm -hmm. this a healthy item for me to be eating? Right. Because I think that we can say pretty clearly that, you know, no one would eat a regular burger for their health. But some people, I don't think that people would say like... probably not the best red meat delivery system. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That if you want, if you think that you should eat some red meat for your health, you would probably do something other than a burger. Gotcha. Right. Um, Yeah, definitely something other than a bacon cheeseburger. So I guess in evaluating the healthfulness of these burgers, it's like two moving parts, two data points. One is the healthfulness of this food stuff itself, but then the ever-changing notion of how healthy red meat is overall. Right, which we've already done. Right. So the latest scholarship is... I remember we talked about like a year and a half ago, could be a carcinogen. And that was totally overblown. That was bullshit. That was total bullshit. And now it's just come out that doesn't, I mean, they're pretty much classifying red meat as not a, not a problem whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, so yeah, we know that, let's caveat by saying we know that nutrition science has had its issues. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe, you know, I think the more you look at it, it's more like our understanding of nutrition science. Yes, but also some nutrition science. So when we say, are these healthy? I don't, I guess like we we have a lot of different things. Yeah. We think that vegetables are healthy. Are they essentially like eating vegetables just in a um, burger like uh, patty? No, no, no. So first there's the protein issue, right? Because one of the main reasons that you eat meat is for protein. Mm-hmm. And they have been developed to match meat gram for gram okay. in protein. So there's a, it's a, a tiny bit less, but soy, pea, mung, they've engineered the amounts such that gram per gram, it's about equivalent. And calorie per calorie, it's about equivalent. Huh. So all of them, when you're having one serving which is about four ounces or 113 grams. That's about your serving. And looking at an 85% lean ground beef burger, a Beyond Meat burger, or an Impossible burger, they all have around 250 calories. The lean one, the lean beef, actual beef has 240. Mm -hmm. The other two have 250. But basically the same thing. Oh, you're saying beef has fewer calories than these guys? 10. Yeah, 10 fewer. yeah. Yeah. And where they start actually really differing is saturated fat and sodium. And sodium is the really big one. These these guys have a ton of sodium. Huh. So one serving has about 15% of your daily value of sodium. Sodium's not good for you. No, sodium's no. not good for you. It's fat we've gone back and forth on. Yeah, fat we have gone back and forth on. This one has more saturated fat. Yeah, than saturated the fat's not great. Yeah, and this has a pretty high amount of saturated fat and more than red meat. Okay. More than the equivalent. This is so trending towards are, maybe not so healthy. So those are the two main things, especially, you know, we can caveat the saturated fat by saying, yeah, but, 
you know, red meat also has a lot of saturated mm-hmm. fat and like a little saturated fat's not that bad. It's pretty bad, but not that bad. Sodium is not great. Yeah. And high amounts of sodium are not great. Right. And these do have a lot of sodium. So in one serving of your regular meat burger, you have 80 milligrams of sodium. Gotcha. Um, and the Beyond Burger has 390 and the Impossible has 370. Huh. So that's, I mean, that's a lot significant. more. It's significant. So what yes. about proteins and other good stuff that well, so proteins we burgers Yeah, have. so proteins we've already covered. They, mm-hmm. they have all oh, the same. Oh, I don't same. mean proteins. I meant uh, um, they have, vitamins. So they, have, so they have a few things that regular burgers don't because they have vegetable stuff. Yes. They have fiber. Fiber's good. Oh, yeah. Fiber helps you with a lot of things. But that's also why they're not gluten-friendly. Yes. So our lean ground beef, our 85%, um, has zero Mm -hmm. grams of fiber. And the Impossible has three, and the Beyond has two. So that's good. Um, And they also add some stuff. So, for instance, the Impossible Burger adds vitamin B12, and it adds zinc. And then there's also, you know, vitamin C in both of them. Let me and guess. Is it 100% of vitamin C? Everything <laughs> I've ever eaten or ingested has 100% of the vitamin C you need. I have no idea because we don't actually know how much of all of those uh, things are in there because uh. these are the less than 2%. Gotcha. So we don't know. But they have vitamins in them, so that's good sort of, except we've already done is that bullshit segments on supplements and have found that they really don't get absorbed. So you really need them to be in their natural form to get most of the benefits from them. Otherwise, you need really high amounts, and even then, it's not quite as good. And then the other... So that's the good stuff. And then the other potential bad stuff, which we've already kind of started hinting at with the good stuff, which is the vitamins, is that this is very processed. Everything is extracted. Everything... There are preservatives. There are color additives. There are all sorts of things in there that aren't food in their whole form. So a lot of the health benefits of vegetables and a lot of health benefits of the substances that are in here Mm -hmm. go away. Yeah. So for instance, if you have whole soy, like edamame beans, that, that has isoflavones, which have health benefits and help protect against certain types of cancer. But the moment that you start processing it, it has less than 8% of what, the, what an edamame would, be, would have. So all of a sudden, those protective benefits go away. But we've talked actually about soy in the past and about some of the endocrine disrupting stuff that right. might be attached to it. And that stays. Yeah. Oh, great. So, <laughs> so you get the endocrine disruption. But, but we already, I mean, we can't worry too much about that. No. We, we, we talked about how that's been overblown yeah. because they were feeding those rats and mice a lot, of, a lot of soy. But that stays because it's still a soy product. But all of the health benefits go away because mm-hmm. you've been processing it. And your body, what we've already talked about as well is that, so we don't need to go into all the science of it we can direct people to other episodes of the podcast, is that our bodies absorb different good things and different bad things differently from whole foods than we do from foods that have been processed. I thought you were going to say Trader Joe's, but (laughs) This is one of the reasons why you no longer use sugar substitutes, for instance, right? Yeah, yeah. Because our bodies react to the real thing differently than we react from a processed version of that Right. And so we know that, for instance, 
vitamin C, if you eat an orange, you're going to get your vitamin C. If you take a pill, you're not going to get nearly as much vitamin C, and it's not going to be absorbed as well. And by the way, so, as we were talking, I looked it up, 0% of the daily vitamin C recommended oh, allowance in these guys. All right. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Big, big fat 0%. Interesting. Yeah. But we also know that bad things don't get absorbed as much. So you can eat a fattier thing, theoretically, yeah. that's like an avocado, and our body processes that really well because it's with the correct nutrients, and we don't actually gain as much weight from it as we would from you know a snack that has that same amount of calories right. and processed stuff, etc. So as soon as you kind of make something into a into a not actually whole food, your body's going to break it down differently because the chemical composition is going to be different. And this stuff is not the whole food. No, so, none okay, of it is. So this is getting us, I think, to a little bit of our conclusion. Well, yes. Yeah, so we yeah. have. So I think that if I think that to me, this is pretty clear cut. That if you're looking for a healthy food, mm -hmm. this ain't it. This okay. is not like eating carrots. Um, and if you want a healthy food, I would say you know. You could do like a, a turkey burger, for instance, would be much healthier huh. than this. Okay. Because so, it's, you know, turkey is very lean. Um, and once again, we're not talking about environmental stuff right. or animal rights. Right. We're just talking about health. Or, I believe in soy rights, too. Yes, soy yeah. rights. But even like a veggie burger that's, you know, grated carrots, mm -hmm. that's carrots. No, that actually has the whole ingredient as opposed to some processed version of it, that's going to be much healthier. If you want to just eat it as a health food, I think that that ain't right. All right. Well, you're but as we already said, like no one really eats a burger as a health food. So like, are we really eating these to be healthy or are we eating them to be healthier? Yeah. So I think actually the more important question is, you know, we've talked about now that there's a lot of stuff that might not be great about these, but is it still better mm -hmm. than the red meat alternative? So like risk mitigation, if the risk is the totally optional risk of eating exactly. a burger. Exactly, exactly. You know what reminds me of? It reminds me of vaping. And I, mm. so, well, well, you know that vaping in the last couple months, some really bad stuff has come out. Yes. But the whole argument of, well, look, no one's saying it's good. Uh, in fact, it might be a little bad, but it's a lot better than cigarettes. Well, yeah, now yeah. we don't even know if that's true. Right. And I think <laughs> you're kind of driving me, again, not with the environmental stuff, you're driving me to conclude the same thing about these burgers. Well, it seems, you know, when I look at this, I would actually say that the health that a normal lean burger is actually potentially a little healthier yeah. because it has less sodium, it has less saturated fat, and it's less processed, okay. <laughs> even though it's processed meat. So, but, yes. but, you know, people are going to say, but it's red meat. So I would say, you know, we've already talked about red meat. And the health Again, benefits of we direct you to our yes. archives. So we, we direct you to our archives. So if you accept our conclusion about red meat, then I would say that the lean beef burger is the healthier of the two alternatives. So Impossible Burgers and Beyond Burgers, healthier than your regular hamburger. Is that bullshit? I think that that is bullshit. But I would say just honestly, no one needs to eat a burger at all. My partner in Beyond Crime, Impossible Crime, as we do these segments called Is That Bullshit? Maria Konnikova, the author of The Biggest Bluff, available in bookstores everywhere. And that is not an impossible statement to make. Available in bookstores everywhere in 2020. <laughs> there you go. I was about to say that. that no, it's not. That's not. Thank you so yeah. much, Maria. 
Thank you so much, Mike. And now the spiel. We do have an update on the Lebanese striped hyena. The first thing you need to know is that there is an animal called the Lebanese striped hyena. They live in Lebanon. You might not have known that. And the second thing you need to know is they're going extinct. I know you're saying these majestic snarky beasts of the Lebanese countryside, which has been part of my brain and my my consciousness for as many as four sentences now. They've been untimely stripped of their habitation. They've been driven to extinction. Yes, yes. But I ask you, without the protection of Scar, how do you really expect a hyena to survive? I always thought the most famous Lebanese leader of his generation had a name that sounded as if a hyena were pronouncing it. Rafiq Hariri. Hariri. But now, according to an article in the New York Times, the striped hyena is having a rough time. The striped hyena, Latin name hyena hyena, once populated the valleys and Whoa, whoa, hold on. So if the striped hyena is the hyena hyena, does hyena mean striped? I didn't know the... Etymology? No, it doesn't. Hyena comes from the Latin, from the Greek, huana, female of hus or pig, which may have something to do with the fact that the animal's manes was thought to resemble a hog's bristles. Nothing to do with striped. And then there was a reference in the Times article and a caption, and the caption was a picture of a nice looking hyena, and it said, stripey, a female striped hyena, which would mean if hyena meant striped, that the New York Times was saying, hyena, a hyena hyena. I I guess they're saying, not the Times, the people who name the hyena, the the, the Latinate scientist, Linnaeus, I think, that this is the most hyena of all the hyenas. He's like a real man's man of hyena, except that female hyena, stripey. She's a woman's woman, hyena, hyena, stripe, stripe. This story, by the way, had it all. It had conservation. It had the backdrop of political protests. It had hyenas named freedom and unity. Didn't that party come in sixth in Israeli elections? I'll read a part. The two young hyenas named freedom and unity in honor of the protests were darted and dragged by their scruffs one by one from the enclosure. They lay on the ground, tongues lolling as Dr. Sayers checked their health and took samples of curious and persistent emu used the opportunity to escape from its enclosure, and a volunteer was put on emu-shoeing duty. And, you know, once you've mastered emu-shoeing, you graduate to ostrich ostracizing. But back to the hyena-hyena. You know, a chimp is pan-troglodytes, and there is pan-peniscus. That is a bonobo, the pan-peniscus. Sir, your pan-peniscus has torn her meniscus. In other words, whoa you've got a bonobo with a boo-boo. Now, the Pan Pan, you may remember the Pan Pan from this commercial of 20 years ago. Do you have two pan pizzas for one low price? Oh, what do you see there? Two pan pizzas. Then we have two pan pizzas. I see, thank you. At Little Caesars, you'll really see two pan pizzas for one low price. Pan Pan was actually a famous panda, but a specific panda, the name of one panda. Their scientific names are Aluropoda. Melanoleuca. So I was wondering if like, this is my quest, if, in case you haven't figured it out, if like the hyena hyena, other animal scientific names are just the same name twice. I looked some of them up. Equus equus, not a horse. Elphus elphus, not the one true elephant. And orangutans are known as pongo. And I was really psyched for there to be a pongo pongo. But no, there's a pongo pygmaeus, which is the Northwest Borneo orangutan. 
There is the Pongus wormby, which is, of course, the central Bornean orangutan. And there is the Pongus morio, which is the northeast Borean orangutan. Now, the roseate spoonbill was once known as the ajaja ajaja. But guess what? There are no other ajaja. Ha ha ha. Ajaja ajaja. You've been busted down to the more common, and this is what the scientific name is now for the Ajaja Ajaja or the Roseate Spoonbill. It is called the Platalia Ajaja. What do you think of that? That is, by the way, some actual sound of a Roseate Spoonbill. Now, the moose is the Alcis Alcis. But nothing else is an Alcis, so you don't have the Alcis Balcis and the Alcis Malfis. It's just the Alcis Alcis. The water buffalo is the Bubbleus Bubalis, but it's not the Bubbleus Bubbleus. Bubbleus Bubbleus. Why are you the Bubbleus Bubbleus? I know you're thinking, Mike. Why would you trouble us with the Bubbleus? But I found one. I found one that works exactly like the hyena hyena, the one true hyena. So the word for a buzzard is a buteo. The eastern buzzard is the Buteo japonicus. The Himalayan buzzard, for instance, is the Buteo refectus. But the common buzzard, the most buzzard of all the buzzards, is the Buteo bateo. And then when I did some further research, I found this happens pretty frequently with birds. The quail is the Coturnix coturnix. The snake bird or the darter or the American darter is the anhinga anhinga, which is actually more commonly just called an anhinga. The circus, that is the scientific name for a harrier. Ooh, I was so psyched for there to be a bird called the circus circus. No, sir. The clanga clanga is the greater spotted eagle. There are other kinds of other eagles. Clanga clanga is the greater one. I was also quite excited when I found out that there is an animal you know of the thrush, the genus for the thrush is the turdidae, but there is something called a true thrush, and those are known as, or the genus there is the turdus. So this is the true thrush, like the buteo buteo is the common buzzard. I was hoping that the true thrush would be the turdus turdus. It is not. I was disappointed. But like the buteo buteo, upon my examination of magpies, I found out that while the black-rumped magpie is the pica botanesis and the oriental magpie is the pica serica, the Eurasian magpie is indeed the pica pica. How did the Eurasian of all the magpies come to be known as the pica pica? Pica privilege. And as for freedom and unity, remember them? They were saved. They were spirited away out of Lebanon where they will live supposedly a happy life. They'll always be hyenas, we know that, because as the saying goes, a hyena cannot change its stripe, which is a tautology, since stripe means something like hyena. And that's it for today's show. Daniel Schrader has invented an automatic roving pan peniscus. It is a robo-bonobo-hobo. Christina DeJosa, just producer, has taken that robo-bonobo-hobo and has melted it down and has lubricated it and shaped it into a saucer. She calls it a pan-paniscus viscous discus. The gist. What about the emu, you wonder? What's that scientific name? The emu's scientific name 
Dromius Nove Hollanday is from the Latin words meaning fast footed New Hollander. I think they were correct to change it to emu. Um, Peru, de Peru, du Peru, emu. Thanks for listening.